Welcome to Gestational Diabetes Club. I'm your host, Helena, dietitian, nutritionist, vegetable enthusiast, and big fan of strong coffee and dark chocolate. Join me here each week to chat about all things gestational diabetes. We'll cover everything you need to know about your nutrition, lifestyle, and all the messy bits in between so that you can feel empowered to optimize your blood sugar, grow a healthy baby, and create sustainable healthy habits to last a whole lifetime without the stress, overwhelm, guilt, or confusion. Thanks so much for joining me, and I hope you love it here. Hello, welcome back to Gestational Diabetes Club. Now today we're talking all about insulin and I do just want to put a quick disclaimer at the start of this episode because as you know, I'm a dietitian, I am not a diabetes educator and I'm not an endocrinologist, so I'm not actually qualified to give advice or prescribe insulin or anything like that. So not that I, anyway, you know, you should always only be taking this as information and education and never be using it as a substitute for specific medical advice from your care team. But I just want you to know that on your team, make use of your endocrinologist and your diabetes educator because they're the best people to be asking all the questions about your insulin use. But I do have some knowledge about insulin and I'm very happy to share it with you today. So let's get into it. And firstly, let's talk about what actually is insulin. So it's a hormone. It's produced in your body very naturally by the pancreas by cells called the beta cells. Um, It's produced in response to eating carbohydrates, as you might know. And so everybody produces insulin. And it's not even actually just when we eat that we produce it. We have it circulating in our bodies really all the time because we always need a certain level of sugar in our blood all the time. Like, you know, when you check your blood sugar and we're never aiming for it to be zero, right? Like we still always want there to be some sugar in your bloodstream keeping you going. And so the way that your body kind of regulates that is that when we eat, we obviously do release some sugar into the bloodstream. And then we've got storage forms like in our muscle cells and in our liver, which can be released as well when we need it if we haven't eaten for a while. And those storage forms can kind of drip feed sugar back into your bloodstream like overnight or in between meals. And so we need insulin also being kind of drip fed into the body to regulate out that process and keep your the sugar in your bloodstream nice and balanced. So there's always insulin circulating. It's going to be in a greater amount when we actually eat something that contains carbohydrates though. So As a quick refresher of how all of that works, when we eat something, and let's say it's something like a banana, this gets broken down into sugar molecules in your bloodstream, and then the sugar needs to be able to exit the bloodstream to enter the cells in places like the muscles and your brain and your liver so that we can either use it as fuel or for energy or go into that storage form that I mentioned, which is called glycogen. Um, But the sugar can't get there on its own. So you can consider it like the cells are locked. And conveniently, insulin acts like a key to open up those locks. So in response to you eating something and then the sugar rising in your bloodstream, the pancreas kicks in and releases insulin, and then that goes and opens up the locks on the cells and carries the sugar into where it needs to go. And if you imagined that on a graph, it would be like when you eat something, your blood sugar goes from being kind of low level to having a small peak and then goes back down again. And that would be matched if you imagined insulin also on that same graph by having that kind of a small peak in response to that rise in blood sugar, and then it would go down again as well too. 
So what happens in gestational diabetes? We know that this process isn't working properly and that is mainly due to the hormones that are being released by the placenta, which kind of block the action of your insulin. And we also know that during pregnancy, your body actually needs to produce like two to three times the amount of insulin that it normally would when you're not pregnant. And so your body just might not be able to keep up with this demand. And it could be for a few reasons, particularly if you have underlying insulin resistance, for example, if the locks on those cells are really like old and rusty and damaged and hard to get into, then your pancreas might need to produce more and more and more insulin to finally get a key that works and go and be able to, you know, try like a million keys to open up the cell and get in there. So obviously that's going to take more time, require more insulin and just be an overall more difficult process. And when your pancreas and those beta cells need to be constantly producing more and more insulin, they can start to get damaged too. And so then you might end up with a pancreas that's actually also not as effective at releasing the insulin. So you might not have as much insulin coming out and the insulin is also not as able to do its job very well. So that could lead to the sugar being too high in your bloodstream. So like I said, that's all kind of exacerbated during gestational diabetes where those hormones are interfering with the whole process. So therefore you've got high blood sugar, that's not great. And then first line therapy would be to manage your diet and your lifestyle, as I'm sure that you already know. So we can make some modifications there in terms of spacing out your carbohydrates, having lower GI carbohydrates that are slowly released into the bloodstream, making sure you've got a good balance of proteins and healthy fats and fiber. um, So that again, it just slows that digestion down and helps the carbohydrates be released a little bit more slowly so that the insulin has time to catch up and go and get those sugar molecules out of the bloodstream and into the cells where it needs to go. And we can do other bits and pieces like exercise, which can remove sugar from your blood independent of whether you've got insulin circulating or not. And all the other things like drinking enough water, getting enough sleep, all of that, that really helps too. So we've got that as first line therapy to keep your blood sugar nice and regulated. But if that's not enough, then you may need medication and you may need insulin to help this process along. Now, please, 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 let's make it very clear that it is not a failure if you need either of those things. And if you need medication or you need insulin, it doesn't mean that you weren't trying hard enough or that you weren't good enough at making all of those lifestyle modifications. Like everyone is just so, so different. And it's it's just not a reflection of your personal efforts or anything like that. So it's all you know, there's so many factors that go into gestational diabetes and blood sugar regulation and insulin resistance, and you just can't control all of them. The hormones are like might have a mind of their own and there's genetics at play. There's all those things. So please keep that in mind. It's really not a failure. And insulin is just a tool in our toolkit that we can use to our advantage to get you and Bub the best outcomes at the end of the day. And we're just so fortunate to even have access to things like insulin. It's amazing that we can use that to keep you and your baby really healthy and If you need insulin, just please don't feel like you're any less of a person, like you're doing fine, you're doing great. And a lot of the time I find that when somebody actually does start insulin, it's like this whole weight is lifted off their shoulders and it's just like, oh my gosh, suddenly you don't have to stress so much about everything that you're eating and 
You know, the other thing that I want you to keep in mind is that you should never need to restrict your food for the sake of getting better numbers. Like we've got a couple of competing priorities here. We need to make sure that you're getting in enough food and fuel and nutrients for you and your baby to grow and develop properly and for your own nutrient stores not to be fully stripped and depleted post-pregnancy. And we also obviously want to be making sure your blood sugar stays nice and regulated. So if you need to overly restrict your food intake in order to keep your blood sugar regulated, then that means that we would be compromising on making sure that you're getting enough overall nutrition and being able to um, get all of the energy and the nutrients that you need. So that wouldn't necessarily put you in a better position, right? So in that sense, like using something like insulin is an amazing tool so that we can get the best of both worlds. We can make sure your blood sugar stays nice and regulated and we can make sure that you're eating enough and eating enough of the right things to make sure that you and Bub stay nice and healthy. So hopefully that answers, you know, what is insulin and how does it work? And when you take insulin, I should also mention it's just a synthetic form of the exact same thing that we naturally produce in your body. So not that scary. And a question one of my clients asked me was, if your own insulin isn't really working properly, why would you need more of it? And how would that help? Now, basically, it's the only way that we can get sugar out of the bloodstream, aside from exercise, which can do that, like I said before, independently of insulin. But we obviously can't rely on exercise all the time to keep your blood sugar stable. So like I just said, we need to be getting enough nutrition. So therefore, we need to be getting insulin on board because it's really the only way that we can get the sugar out of the bloodstream. And the only other way really would be if you completely minimized the need for insulin by completely removing carbs from your diet and going on a ketone diet because our body can run off ketones instead of having sugar in the bloodstream. You would still end up with some sugar in your bloodstream, but you wouldn't consume any. So there would never really be a big buildup of sugar for insulin to need to remove. Um, but I absolutely would not recommend this really heavily would not recommend this, especially during pregnancy, because we know that carbohydrates and glucose are our body's preferred source of fuel, right? So if you were telling your body to run off ketones and not ever giving it any glucose, it would be like putting diesel into your car when your car is meant to be running on petrol. It's basically just like real second grade fuel and we don't run as effectively. So if you were eliminating carbs, you would be eliminating so many nutrients like magnesium, B vitamins, including folate, things like fiber, which is so, so important for your gut health and our main source of energy. So you'd probably be really fatigued, really tired. Um, you wouldn't be able to concentrate properly. Like it's actually thought that our brain alone typically uses about 130 grams of glucose per day which is equivalent to about eight slices of bread. So it's really important to make sure that you keep eating carbs. And so we do just need some mechanism to remove those from the bloodstream. So that's why we need insulin on board. And if your own insulin isn't up to the task, like you're not producing enough or there isn't enough effectively doing its job, then we need that external insulin so that we can get the desired outcome in terms of getting enough insulin in there so that it can do its job effectively because at the end of the day, it will. It's just a matter of making sure that we get the amount right. So just, you know, remember what I said before that you need two to three times the amount of insulin during pregnancy 
as when you're not pregnant. So we just need to like top you up with that external insulin if your own body isn't doing that job. So I hope that answers that question. So next, let's talk about what types of insulin there are, because there are a number of different types that you can take, and some are more common in gestational diabetes than others, but I'll kind of give you an overview of some of the main ones. So first, let's talk about long-acting insulin. So remember how I was saying that we always have like some circulating insulin in our body because we always have some amount of sugar in our bloodstream? Well, this type of insulin kind of mimics what we would just naturally have in the background. So it doesn't give you like an obvious or immediate rise in insulin in response to eating something. So you don't use it around meal times. You'd typically just use it like once or twice a day, like in the morning or the evening, and it would last for you know, 12 to 24 hours and just give you a small, low level, consistent amount of insulin so that it's circulating in your body all the time to counteract like hormonal effects and help you out like in between meals or overnight, that kind of thing. And this is more common in type 1 diabetes where they'd be completely insulin dependent because their body's not producing any insulin at all. So they would need to have that background insulin on board. More commonly in gestational diabetes would be something like a medium acting insulin, which again, you would take really probably once per day, usually in the evening, because it's usually given to support an elevated fasting blood sugar level, which is something that so, so many of you struggle with. So it would basically give you a small peak and then that would just level out over time to give you a small consistent dosage. So it might stay in your system for like between 10 to 16 hours. And then that would just help to counteract some of those hormonal effects that go on overnight. So if you remember that when you're fasting overnight, you're not eating anything, your stores of glycogen, which is that stored form of sugar, can be like kind of drip fed out into your bloodstream to keep a nice consistent amount of glucose in there, which isn't always overly helpful with gestational diabetes. And then we've also got stuff like the dawn phenomenon, which is where you can get some of those stress hormones like ramping up to get you ready to wake up, which can then also trigger more release of glucose into the bloodstream so that you've got enough fuel on board to get going. Again, not that helpful because it might mean that your fasting blood sugar level is quite high. So if we take insulin at typically at night time that has that kind of a small rise and then just tapers off and stays in your system to cover you until the morning, then it can help with that fasting blood sugar level. And depending on what time you take it, it might also have a bit of a carryover effect to help with your post meal uh, level as well after breakfast, depending on when you eat, when you take your insulin, all that kind of stuff and the dose and all that. So that one is pretty commonly prescribed. And the other thing that might be prescribed is one that you just take around mealtime, which is generally called rapid acting or short acting. So rapid acting insulin would typically start working within about five to 15 minutes, depending on what you're taking. And then it basically just does that similar thing. Like if you imagine a graph as what happens when you eat. So it has a peak after that 15 or 30 minutes, stays in the system for a relatively short amount of time um, and then it just basically drops back off again. So it might taper off for like four to six hours, but you'd only have like a small amount in your system and it's really just there to counteract the food that you've eaten. So just to help your body out if you're not naturally producing that insulin response. 
And so that one would be best taken ideally before you eat because we want to be able to be proactive and mimic what would naturally be happening in your body. So we need to give the insulin a little bit of time to kick in so that we can get the peak occurring at a similar time to when we would get that natural peak in blood sugar occurring after eating. So we want to be proactive rather than reactively managing your blood sugar with your insulin. So we want to take it preemptively. And it's all a whole lot easier if you do have an idea of how many carbs you're eating typically in a meal. Um, But that's quite complex to work out in terms of matching insulin precisely to what you're eating. So don't feel like you need to know, you know, how to carb count and all of that kind of stuff. Like it is actually quite complex. So you need to be working with a team in order to be able to do that. So you might actually just be on a consistent amount of insulin per meal. And then that does mean that you probably need to have a consistent amount of carbs per meal and have a little bit less flexibility there. So I highly encourage working with a team, particularly a dietitian, so that you can work out the best approach in that respect. So Yeah, typically in gestational diabetes, you might have that short or rapid acting. You might have that more medium acting where you take it at night time or you might you might have that like really long term background insulin as well. So everyone's really different. Everyone will have a different regime. So don't compare yourself to anybody else. Um, Another thing to note, actually, is that you may be started on a low dose, let's say like six units, and then feel like you're constantly just upping it. So don't feel like you're doing anything wrong if you start insulin and then it's not really working and then you immediately need to keep putting it up and then you put it up and then put it up again. So don't feel like you're doing anything wrong. Like it obviously takes a little while to just work out the amount of insulin that you need for your body, because like I said, everybody is very, very different. And there's a risk of your sugar, your blood sugar going too low if you're taking too much insulin. So generally it will be started off at a conservative dose and then you just titrate it up to find the amount that you need. But it's also tricky because as your pregnancy progresses, more hormones are produced by the placenta and that exacerbates the insulin resistance and means that your sugar tends to stay a little bit higher in your bloodstream. So as you catch up to the dose that's appropriate to you, your hormones might think differently and then they might escalate. And so then you're back to increasing the insulin again because you just need to catch up with the change that's happening in terms of your hormones and the placenta and that kind of thing. So very normal for you to end your pregnancy on a much higher dose of insulin than when you started. So just keep that in mind that it's not like a set and forget. This is your insulin dose. It's dynamic. It needs to change in response to what's changing in your body. And what time should you take your insulin is another common question. Well, my best answer to that is when your team tells you to take it. There's no right answer for everybody. Um, I would just caution you to make sure that you're not at risk of having low blood sugar, which is called a hypo because you need to have eaten something. So please don't be really strict and low carb or anything when you start taking insulin, because you do need to have those carbohydrates on board to make sure that your sugar doesn't drop super low, because the insulin will do its job regardless of whether you've eaten something or not. So you need to keep that in mind. And I don't necessarily mean you need to eat more to compensate for the insulin. That's not generally a fantastic idea, but you do need to be eating enough, an appropriate amount to match the insulin. 
So when you take your insulin, please take it at a time when you know that there will be food circulating in your system, especially when you first start taking it so that we just don't get that really scary drop in blood sugar. Um, And then what would happen if you forgot to take it? That's a common question. Well, again, I think it really depends. It depends a lot on the context. It depends on what your team has advised you around that. I think that's a really good question to ask them straight away when they're prescribing your insulin, like go in with a list of these sorts of questions so that you can have an answer that is personalized to you. But I think it really depends on the context. Like if you forgot to take your insulin and it's been a number of hours and you normally say take it at 9pm and now it's midnight. Well, I don't know, it could be a potentially risky situation if you didn't eat very much as well and you don't have much food in your system, then you don't want your blood sugar dropping really, really low. So I think just be mindful of when the last time is that you ate. Probably safest to actually just check what your blood sugar is before you're considering taking the insulin and then use your judgment. If it seems like, oh, that's probably not my smartest idea, it might be safest to skip it or take a lower dose. Um, but yeah, hopefully you've got an, an action plan already in place from your team. If it's like 20 minutes here and there, let's say half an hour that, you know, you're like, oh, I forgot it's I normally take it at nine and now it's like quarter past. Wouldn't say that that's an issue. Like it doesn't need to be the exact same time on the dot every single day. There wouldn't really be any major benefit to doing that. Obviously, it's good to take it most of the time at the same time if you can, because that just helps mimic a bit more of a circadian rhythm, which is always good for your body just to have a nice pattern and a routine. Our bodies really, really like routine. So trying to take it at the same time every day is fantastic, but don't be like religious and pedantic about that because it's not going to affect anything really, I would say within like an hour. Um, The other thing to be mindful of, like as well as whether you've eaten anything when it's been a number of hours and what your blood sugar is currently doing and where it's trending is to think about like your next dose of insulin. So this is more relevant if you're somebody that takes multiple insulin injections per day, because if you take your, let's say you take like your late night insulin super late, and then you would normally take insulin as well in the morning you'd get a double up if you were taking one of them late and then taking the next one at the same time as usual. So you would need to somehow like taper all of that or like get it all in balance so that you don't throw off your whole next day by needing to like push everything back or whatever it is. So be mindful because if you had two lots of insulin on board, then all that means is you've got double the amount and it's more likely to send your blood sugar too low. So that's really the main risk of taking your your insulin at a different time to usual is that you'd, you'd have high blood sugar like when you didn't take it and then you're at risk of having lower blood sugar when you do take it eventually. So hopefully that made sense. And, you know, I think maybe a better question to ask is how can you remember? How can you make sure you always do remember? So basic stuff, set alarms, set reminders, tell somebody else to remind you, make it part of your routine, just like brushing your teeth. So please remember to take it. But if you do forget, then I really think the best thing to do is have a proactive action plan from your diabetes educator or whoever's on your team. Um, evaluate where your blood sugar is at. So do a test, even if it's annoying, just do another test and, you know, it'd be great to know if it's trending up or trending down. We won't know that from just a point in time, but it's still good to have some information, um, 
literally at your fingertips and see what see what it's doing see what time it is like how long it's been since you would normally take your insulin dose and then think about whether you've got another dose coming up in the morning or later that day Uh, think about when you last ate and just use your common sense and maybe you dial the dose down to be cautious or maybe you test a little bit more than you normally would just to be cautious Um, But yeah, I really can't recommend just getting a plan in place from your team enough. Now, another common question, and this is a big one, will insulin make you gain weight? Well, yes, I know. I'm going to be so annoying and just give you a yes, I know answer. So it's often termed like the fat storage hormone. But I do think that this is kind of unfair because that's actually just insulin doing its job. So as we've already discussed, when we eat something, insulin comes along and it transports that sugar out of your bloodstream and into the cells in the places like your muscles and your brain and your liver. And we primarily are going to use it up as fuel and energy. But then when we've had enough fuel, then the excess will go into storage and that storage is called glycogen and that there's some of that in your muscles and in your liver. But if our storage is full, so our storage containers are filled up and we've still got extra glucose coming in from the food we've eaten, it's got to go somewhere. So it's going to get stored as fat, basically, and insulin is implicated in that process to facilitate that fat storage. So yes, in that respect, insulin is going to promote weight gain. But it's not really new information, right? Because that's only when we're over-consuming and we know that when we consume more food than we're burning we gain weight. So insulin is just part of that process. It's just doing its job, but it's, it's not necessarily because of the insulin. It's because of the behavior and the context of over-consuming the food, if you see what I mean. And if we think about this in gestational diabetes, how this might occur is if you're taking a certain dose of insulin and if you then ate to match that insulin, right? So if you're really worried that you're taking a high dose of insulin and it drops your sugar too low if you haven't eaten a certain amount, and that means that you're eating more than you normally would and more than your body actually needs to compensate for the insulin, then yes, you'd be more likely to gain extra weight that you don't need. So I would say try and match the insulin to the amount that you normally eat rather than the other way around so that you minimize that effect. But in general, if you're consuming the appropriate amount of food and then all insulin is really doing is facilitating the use of the glucose that you're taking in, so allowing it to be used as fuel and as energy and allowing it to go into storage, then theoretically that wouldn't promote extra weight gain. Now, then there is a whole bit of a messy cycle that we could get into around insulin resistance, where if your insulin isn't working effectively and you've got a high amount of insulin circulating in your body, because let's say, remember how like all of the cells are locked up and insulin's the key, but it's really hard to get into those cells, like those locks aren't working very well or the keys aren't working very well and your pancreas is producing more and more and more insulin, then having more insulin circulating may promote extra weight gain. And then that extra weight gain can make the insulin resistance worse because something that can get in the way of insulin doing its job is having extra fat stores, right? That can exacerbate insulin resistance. So you can get a bit of a vicious cycle where there's insulin resistance because of extra weight gain. And so then 
that makes it harder to actually like use insulin effectively. So then there's more insulin circulating. And so that promotes more weight gain. Like if you see how that happens, and that's just a very simplified view of that. And I don't want you to get bogged down in it. Then I would be thinking about it more so in the sense of like, you just need to be eating um, and matching your insulin to what you're eating rather than taking lots and lots of insulin and eating lots and lots of food to catch up with that. Like if you thought about um, someone saying, oh my gosh, I've got to have jelly beans on me all the time because my insulin always makes my sugar drop too low. That would be a sign that we just need to change up the insulin dose, not make you eat lots of jelly beans. So hopefully that makes sense. And I really don't want to scare you or fear monger or anything by, you know, talking about that cycle of insulin resistance. It's still important to know. And it's another reason to try and make sure that you're gaining an appropriate amount of weight during your pregnancy. And there are guidelines around that. I suggest look up um, like the IOM guidelines is your best place to look for the amount of weight that is recommended for you to gain during pregnancy. But everyone is also very, very different and you might have insulin resistance for other reasons that aren't because of being in a higher body weight. And it's also just such a sensitive topic. It's really not as easy as being like, okay, we'll just lose weight and your insulin resistance will be solved and all that stuff. So it's really complex and it's a really big topic. I've really oversimplified it here. And my short answer to the question of like, if you're taking extra insulin, will you gain weight is no. Theoretically, you won't if you're taking an appropriate dose and you're eating an appropriate amount. So I really hope that that adequately answers that question for now. And I hope that this whole episode has just given you some more insight and information and reassurance about insulin. And just please know that if you are taking insulin, you are in no way a failure. It doesn't mean that you're doing anything wrong. It doesn't mean that you're not trying hard enough at all this lifestyle stuff. Like you're doing a great job, no matter what your gestational diabetes journey looks like. And So often insulin is really demonized, but at the end of the day, it is an amazing tool in our toolkit and it means that you can eat enough food so that you're energized, you're fueled, you're getting enough nutrients in so that your baby can grow and develop, you know, optimally, not just adequately, and that your nutrient stores aren't completely depleted either. So you sometimes insulin just makes that whole process run a little bit smoother, which is fantastic. Like we need to make sure that we are prioritizing both of those things in terms of eating enough food and also making sure your blood sugar stays nice and stable. But if you're having trouble and you know you feel like your blood sugar is kind of all over the place and you don't know what you're doing with your insulin or your food intake, you don't really know how to match the two up together and you're not sure that you are eating the right things, then there's definitely support out there. Um, I've got room for a couple of people if anybody would like to join me in my gestational diabetes coaching program, which is a six-week package where we do weekly consults and we have daily check-ins so I can text you every day and just check in with what's going on and I provide meal plans as well that are all mapped out for you nutritionally to make sure that we're meeting your nutrient requirements and make sure we're optimizing those micronutrients in your um, in your body as well and making sure that everything's all balanced out to keep your blood sugar nice and stable 
So that is definitely available to you. You can send me a DM on Instagram to get in touch and find out a bit more. I am at nutrition.by.helena. And otherwise, I really hope that you have a great day. I hope that you enjoyed this episode. If you found it helpful, please just give me a star rating or write me a review. It would mean the absolute world to me. Um, But yes, otherwise, have a really, really nice day and we will chat soon. Bye. That is it for today's episode. Thank you so much for listening. And if you haven't already, please make sure that you subscribe or hit the plus button so that you can get new episodes delivered straight to your podcast app every week. And if you did find this episode useful, I would appreciate it so, so much if you could leave a rating and review or share it with a friend. It helps me reach more people so that I can help them take some of the stress out of gestational diabetes too. And if you want to keep learning about all things gestational diabetes, head to my website to find all the ways that I can support you. Thanks so much. Chat soon. Bye.